reported stolen from South Carolina. Both men were released after posting bond. I'm Kevin McManus, WFMD News. Your 930 WFMD Skyscan forecast for Frederick and surrounding counties for your Saturday, mostly sunny with a high of 63. Saturday night becoming clear with a low of 35. For your Sunday, cloudy with a high of 61. Sunday night, some rain and drizzle with a low of 45. Your 930 WFMD Skyscan forecast is a service of PJ's Roofing. When it comes to your roof, they've got you covered. Visit pjsroofing.com. The award-winning Your Financial Editor Program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor Program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us. Hope your weekend's going well. Good program for you today. We're going to be talking um, about the top stories of this week, and there were some interesting ones for sure. whole lot of economic data came our way and earnings. Um, and then uh, in just a little bit, I'm going to be talking with Mr. Jeffrey Tucker, founder and president of the Brownstone Institute. Uh, he's an economist, an author. He's written 10 books. Uh, but I saw an article that, um, that he wrote recently titled The Economic Disaster of the Pandemic Response. So we're going to talk about just how much damage and unnecessary damage, I should say, was done to the economy, uh, among other things, because of the virus once it made its way here uh, from China. So that's coming up uh, in just a little bit. You'll want to hear that. So as far as the top stories, uh, we continue to be talked to like – like little children, and I mean little, little children, uh, things are being said that are not true, and uh, they're trying to convince us, uh, them being the administration, uh, elected, appointed officials, not just here in the United States, of course, but around the world of really what's going on and what should be um, normal. And, of course, we know that that's not the case, and you're seeing serious pushback um, it's going to be um, wonderful to watch these uh, just worthless politicians thrown out of office um, in uh, less than two weeks. And then, of course, we'll have to um, see how these replacements, you know, where they put their stake in the ground and uh, just how committed they're going to be to restoring the country to um, hopefully its greatness. Uh, that's for sure. So we'll see. But, um, you know, one of the things, of course, is inflation. You're better off now. Don't worry about it. Gas has come down. Um, Food's not that expensive. It's um, the big oil company's fault. That's their boogeyman. It's Putin's fault. That's their boogeyman. It's the virus. uh, That's their, you know, excuse. You name it. But everybody knows, literally, um, unless you're ultra-wealthy, and even some of those are complaining about uh, about how poor things are when it comes to the economy and it comes to inflation. But they continue to kind of toe the line and tell us that everything that they have done and are doing was to ease inflation, which really it's just the opposite. We know that all of that unnecess- unnecessary and really reckless spending um, – 
has been the fuel for the inflation fire. Um, not even to mention the monies that were pushed through and what they're being used for now, nothing to obviously reduce inflation, um, minimal, minimal for real infrastructure, et cetera. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that they continue to say one thing, do just the opposite, actually. So um, this week, just more reminders. There was a, a ton of them, but just some I'll share with you. You know, supposedly, according to the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, um, she says that fighting this record high inflation remains the top priority for the Biden administration. So, um, of course, she has to come up with something because there's growing concern about the state of the U.S. economy uh, ahead of those elections I mentioned just a moment ago. So she's trying to, you know, talk tough like the rest of them. Let me be very clear. Inflation in the United States remains far too high. Oh, really? You know, you don't really know that because you live in your elitist bubble and you're driven around and probably all your meals are free. Um, So you don't have to tell that to the rest of us. You definitely don't have to tell it to the working class and the poor who are being destroyed. And those on fixed income, I'll say, and then, you know, the single moms that are just being destroyed by your policies. So supposedly those were the folks that you say that you care about and you're going to help and take care of, and you do just the opposite. So she said that the administration's top economic priority is to rein in inflation. Um, uh, You know, they're just figuring out that it's the top, if not the top, one of the top issues for the majority of voters and, of course, just Americans in general. Um, and, and I'm not a big poll person. I've always said that. If you've been listening for the last 24 years, I've never changed my tune on that because polls can be manipulated. Um, and we saw that with uh, these elections recently of uh, the last, you know, uh, five, ten years we've seen it. They're very misleading. But when you see every single poll tell you the same thing, that people are worried, seriously worried about inflation, seriously worried about crime, seriously worried about the border, then it becomes an obvious uh, truth because you don't have anything uh, disputing that when you have honest polls. So, you know, the White House just grossly misjudged this inflation problem. The whole administration did. You know, it started with the whole transitory thing, which we dismissed almost immediately. Um, And then the White House has dispatched now yelling to go out and try to talk about this uh, economic agenda that Biden has or whoever's pulling his strings has. Um, I don't know. You know, it's the um, O'Biden administration, really, because it's so many of the Obama people that caused so much damage for two terms that are back behind the curtain. So, um, you know, again, this is it's very, very unfortunate where, you know, people are being lied to on a daily basis. So you just have to be aware of what's really going on. And like what I tell everybody, my suggestion is vote for policy, not for a person. So you could think the person is, you know, um, just a a punk or, you know, um, whatever, 
you fill in the blank. But instead of voting for them on that, I really think you have to, or I would suggest people vote for people on policy. What have they done? Not what have they said. What have they done? What have they not done? Um, you know, and, and that that way we can all make better decisions. And I'm with you. A lot of times you have to hold your nose and pull that lever, right, to vote for somebody. But if the policy is better than their opponent and it's going to be better for the country and the community, then um, then hopefully that's what we're going to see in less than two weeks. And then, like I said, we'll, they'll have to be held accountable uh, for that. So there hasn't been a lot of talk about this, which is really funny. But Meta, which, by the way, Meta is the new name for Facebook. It's the parent company, Meta. And um, we saw that uh, Mark Zuckerberg, his fortune um, was cut by close to $10 billion the other day uh, because of disappointing earnings from Meta or Facebook. So um, he got he went all the way to 26 spot on the Forbes billionaire list. So uh, totally his net worth has slipped by over $37 billion. The stock plunged the other day by 20%. It's down roughly 70% here to date. They reported a net income of $4.4 billion. That's half of what it was last year in the quarter. So Meta's Reality Labs division, which you're probably not hearing much about this, but Meta, just so you know, stands for the metaverse. So you have uh, certain companies and individuals, especially uh, the wealthy and elitist, that are very interested in this transhumanism, um, metaverse type of, uh, of development, whereas um, eventually... Um, I mean, they're already doing it with animals, but they want to have computer links in human beings so that um, they think they can live forever, I guess. They have no um, no soul belief when it comes to um, to God and to heaven and things of that nature. So since they don't believe in that, they want to try to stay alive forever is what it all comes down to. But it's costing Facebook literally billions and billions of dollars. And the funny part, and I say funny because I don't think Mark Zuckerberg's a good person, is that he's all in and he's going to continue pouring money into it. So I just have to hope that it continues to uh, to fail because I, I just don't think that that's the right uh, avenue for uh, anybody to go down, but especially a public company who was responsible to their uh, to their shareholders. The other thing that didn't get uh, talked about this week, and actually I'm guilty. I didn't even talk about it with Bob and Ryan on the Morning News Express. But um, Facebook got hit with like a $34 million fine because of their involvement, their wrong involvement in the elections in 2020. So um, there was a whole lot going on with Zuckerberg. Hundreds of millions of dollars were put into the election in certain areas like Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and others that had um, all the voting irregularities. So, um, yeah, so that's going on there, too. So the, the, they're really, really doing a poor job 
at uh, at Facebook, and it's showing up in their numbers. So they said they're going to double down. We'll have to uh, continue to watch them and see if that's really the case. You know, we also continue to, to hear about um, job cuts and hiring freezes. This week, uh, Royal Phillips announced, actually at the beginning of the week, that they were going to cut 4,000 jobs. So the CEO basically said uh, that the company has multiple challenges and um, that's even though, of course, he doesn't want to cut jobs. That's what's necessary to uh, get the company back on track. And we're hearing this more and more now um, from various companies and CEOs, whether they've already um, had a freeze to hiring, if they've already laid people off or if they're greasing the skids to let people know that it's coming. Um, so. As always, we'll uh, continue to let you know what's going on in that area. Uh, BlackRock. So if you're not familiar with BlackRock, um, they're the largest asset manager in the world. They run trillions of dollars. Uh, the guy that runs it is Larry Fink, um, and he's uh, an elitist and one of these guys that just craves to be in certain circles and in certain bubbles. You know, he really wanted Hillary Clinton to win in 16 so uh, that he could have become the Treasury Secretary. Of course, that all blew up in his face, as we know. Um, and then he started making stupid comments like they're not hiring any other uh, white men. There's too many old white men um, in businesses. Just stupid things, uh, especially from somebody that has so much responsibility at a company um, that's so big. Uh, but, you know, basically what we saw this week, actually, I thought it was really funny. Protesters were demonstrating at their uh, New York City office building. They got into the foyer and um, they blocked the escalators and they were yelling things like stop funding climate death. And climate justice now, and I'm sure in your mind's eye, you can see the type of people that show up to these things. Some of them just um, unhinged and others paid, obviously, to be there. But um, they had pitchforks. Now, who can get away with that, going into a business lobby with pitchforks? And they're saying they had banners that say, how dare you plunder the earth and your investments are killing us. And your greed equals climate chaos. So they're protesting this Larry Fink guy's company who has totally embraced ESG or environmental, social, and governance, um, which is just – that's baloney too. Um, you know, if you see that or hear that, just run the other way because it's just another – um, tool that they're they're using, like the false narrative of climate change, to gain more power and more wealth for themselves, and take away um, things from you. So, like I said, I, I think it's hilarious because last week I told you here on the program how state treasurers around the country were pooling hundreds of millions of dollars each particular state. Um, from BlackRock because of the foolish things they've said and the foolish policies they've enacted. So they're getting punished on that side, and then they're getting punished by the uh, climate alarmist 
who are showing up with pitchforks and stupid banners and, you know, chanting. So they're getting it from both sides, and they totally deserve it. Totally deserve it. When you've got these people that are running these corporations or they're in the boardrooms and um, they're making wrong decisions for their shareholders, then it doesn't get any better than this when you sit back and watch what's happening to BlackRock. And we'll continue. There are other State Street and Vanguard. There's a bunch of them involved in this stuff. Um, And, again, I, I really think that with this new Congress coming in, corporations are going to be start to be held accountable for what they're doing. Um, so that's going to be fun to watch and fun to talk about here on the uh, Your Financial Editor program. And I'll give you a good example. This is some good news in that exact area I was just talking about. A former Levi's, uh, you know, the clothing, Levi's um, president, she said she was pushed out as president because she was outspoken against the virus school closures. She's written a book condemning wokeness and says the movement has spread from academia into corporate boardrooms, just as I mentioned, because most CEOs don't have the guts to stand up against it. Ah, that's such a breath of fresh air. And let me tell you, she's no conservative. That's for sure. Her name is Jennifer Say, and um, longtime executive at Levi's, lifelong Democrat, and she wrote this book, uh, Levi's Unbuttoned, The Woke Mob Took My Job But Gave Me My Voice. And she's basically saying that this woke, I hate that word, but I have to use it because it's what she said, woke capitalism is simply corporate America's attempt to profit off millennial and Gen Z activism and spells out why in her book. She says that corporate leaders want us to believe they are do-gooders, not money grubbers. And she says they'll get rich too, but they don't want you to think that that is their mission. So she's just totally pulling the, the curtain back on all these people that we've talked about here for years. Instead, she says, business executives would have us believe that they are our saviors, pointing to the efforts of high-profile billionaires. Today's executives reared these kids with an I'm-not-your-dad-I'm-your-friend parenting philosophy, and they chased their children's approval. How sad is that? They want to impress their woke kids with their own progressive bona fides, and that most CEOs lack the moral courage to hold their ground, she wrote, because they know deep down that they aren't do-gooders, and they don't want that curtain lifted. So I'll go back 15, over 15 years ago, because, you know, this is a perfect example. Levi's got themselves in trouble, and I know I wouldn't have anything to do with them, because they wouldn't allow gay scout leaders in the Boy Scouts. So when that was going on back then, Levi's made a big deal of it and, and, and really chastised um, the Boy Scouts. So, I, I mean, you know, they, they're 
have been doing this stupid stuff at Levi's for a long time. She was made aware of it finally. She was, you know, I guess she had an epiphany. I don't know what happened, but this is great news, and she's telling the truth, and it's coming from, like I said, a lifetime Democrat. So um, they're going to have they're going to be running for cover. I guarantee you. And, and of course, now she's just been pushed off the cliff. They won't have anything to do with her because she told the truth. And um, now they're all feeling really uncomfortable, which is just wonderful. And I'll have to grab the book and um, I'll wait and see if I hear from her press people about uh, her wanting to come on the program, because that would be a good conversation to have. It's economic data on the other side of this. Stay tuned. Where you going to be when country comes back? Cold beer chasing that Lynchburg Jack. Knocking that dust off the old school tracks. Bet your boots I'm ready when country comes back. Welcome back. This is Chris Berg, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD and at uh, WFMD.com as well as as a podcast. Just go to Apple Podcast and uh, you can catch it there. I was talking about um, some economic data. It it was really a busy week with the economic data and with the earnings. Uh, A lot of big technology companies were missing their numbers. That wasn't good for that sector this week. But when you look, there was also a lot of housing data. Um, Home prices increased in August at the slowest pace uh, on record. Um, And no big surprise, obviously, August, this is a lagging uh, piece of data that I have that I was reviewing. But... um, it's the S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index. It's a national index. Um, prices climbed 13% in August from the previous year, but that was down from the 15.6% the prior month, and it's the biggest deceleration in the index's history. Now, we do have to remember the record climb and how expensive and you know how quickly um, home prices went up, but now we're seeing just the opposite. Certain areas continue to be really big winners. Um, Home prices increased the most. This is if you're a seller, of course. Um, Increased the most in Miami, up 28.6% year over year. Tampa was up next with a 28% gain. And Charlotte was up uh, or came in third. And their prices were up 21.3% year over year. So I was just down Charlotte. We were visiting our son, and, um, boy, that city's just going crazy as far as growth. Uh, Just building, 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 both um, commercial and residential, for sure. Uh, Then we saw new home sales uh, for September. They, um, again, we had the higher prices, but sales were actually down 10.9%, according to the Commerce Department, um, on an annual basis, they were down over 17.5%. So really weird scenario where you have house prices still going up, but uh, it's pricing people out of the market, so um, the, the sales are going down. One of the massive reasons for this, and I think everybody knows this, but I'll, I'll talk about it anyway because I was looking at the Mortgage Bankers Association report on Wednesday morning like I always do, And we saw a continued 
increase with mortgage rates, and that's really just put a wet blanket uh, on the mortgage market um, in many areas. So applications for mortgages were down 1.7% from the prior week. Um, and here's the, the, the real problem. Mortgage, mortgage rates increased for the 10th consecutive week, and a 30-year fixed rate was 7.16%, the highest rate since 2001. 2001. At the beginning of the year, it was 3%. And now it's at 7.16, and it's going to go up even more because November 1st and November 2nd is a two-day meeting with the Federal Reserve. Inflation isn't coming down. Um, So what they've already done hasn't worked so far. Um, People are actually saying that inflation is going to go even higher in the coming months because they have a lot of that spending that they passed that hasn't been pushed out yet. And then, of course, the stupid um, – student loan thing so people haven't been making their payments it's i really don't believe that they're going to be able to forgive that um that'll be a terrible thing if they do but you've got that money that would be spent on loan obligations that's also being spent on different things in the economy so there's just so much going on that um it's it's just really tough but you go from a mortgage rate of um three percent to over 7% in less than a year, you've got a serious problem. Um, that, and then certain things are going to be impacted for sure. So, um, you know, it's as always, we'll continue to watch it and let you know uh, what to expect or what's going on. But there's a lot of pain still to come for sure. Um, so much damage has been done to this economy uh, by this administration that um, it's going to take quite a while to fix it. And I'm, I hate to say that, but it's just the truth. On the other side of this break, Jeffrey Tucker, founder and president of the Brownstone Institute. He's an economist and an author, and um, he uh, wrote a really good piece we're going to talk about, the economic disaster of the pandemic response, just how much damage has been done. So stay tuned for that. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcast and you can uh, check the program out there. Uh, either today's program or one of the previous uh, podcasts and shows that we've done, they're all available for you. And uh, thanks for everybody being with us. Hope your weekend's going well. I mentioned right before the uh, news break, we were going to be jumping into our conversation. My guest this morning, Mr. Jeffrey Tucker. He's the founder and president of the Brownstone Institute. He's an economist. He's an author. He's written 10 books. Um, And um, he also writes a daily column on economics at the Epoch Times, um, which is a great news source if you're not familiar with it. Um, I have the digital um, plan, and it's very, very reasonable and full of a lot of 
good, good information um, in, in really covering um, pretty much anything you might have interest in. So you might want to check that out. Good morning, Mr. Tucker. Yeah, I'm here. Are we ready? Yep. Here we go. Yeah, we're good. So uh, welcome to the program. Uh, it's nice to have you. Are we ready? Yeah. Can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me? I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, okay. Yeah, we're going. <laughs> yeah, sorry, a little rough start there. Yeah, you're on, and uh, welcome to okay. the yeah, welcome to the program. We were just talking, um, uh, giving a little bit of background uh, about yourself. Uh, tell us about the uh, Brownstone Institute that you founded. I founded it because everybody else seemed to not be addressing the great crisis that we're in in this country. Uh, it was 18 months ago I saw the inflation r- raging, the demoralization of people after the lockdowns, the loss of education, uh, the collapse of America as a free country. And I was frustrated that there didn't seem to be any institution out there devoted to uh, to addressing it with serious research and serious commentary. So I founded Brownstone to address the crisis of this country and maybe provide a way out. And in the meantime, uh, the site has done extremely well as an institution. We're growing. And uh, uh, I'm very uh, pleased. So at least there's, a, you know, we can join vo- voices with the dissidents out there uh, who are determined to save rationality, science, and, and this and freedom. Yeah, absolutely. And just uh, want to let everybody know, you can go to uh, brownstone.org. Um, it's a it's a great site, uh, very user friendly, a lot of uh, information and so much it's free. I mean, so you can um, be in the know and uh, and have uh, a really good information to back up. Uh, some of your thoughts and debates that you might be having. So one of the things that caught my attention um, that I saw was the article you had written, The Economic Disaster of the Pandemic Response. So I just wanted to spend some time on the program today to uh, to talk about that. So, um, yeah, I mean, how do you think that happened where all of a sudden we were told that we had to shut down our entire economy all well the, the stupid essential non-essential thing which um i've complained about since its inception and then um you know people being forced to stay home how did we get to that point <laughs> that is the question that's the burning question i hope congress is going to be addressing that um uh, once after after they seat themselves in january um I don't have an easy answer for it, but it was partially panic, but also conspiracy. Um, I think the pharmaceutical companies really wanted to, uh, to crank out their vaccine, and then when nobody wanted it, they started mandating it. But there was also big tech involved in this. They wanted everybody to live a Zoom life and buy their products and hang around on their websites. Uh, big business attack on small business was certainly there. There was also just a lot of intellectual confusion. Uh, people had forgotten the basic science of virology and natural immunity and and uh, uh, had been whipped into a frenzy of fearing pathogens thanks to the deeply ignorant uh, and malevolent uh, man named Bill Gates. And so all this also, the other thing is that there are a lot of people that wanted, wanted to talk Trump into destroying his own greatest achievement, right? Uh, by so-called shutting down the economy. 
And once that happened, the Federal Reserve got involved and started buying up the Congress, started spending trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, shoveling them out to all their friends in the states and public health departments. And the Fed stepped up to buy all the resulting debt, which generated inflation, and so on it went. So it was just one calamity after another. And I, when the lockdowns first happened, I really thought that they were going to come to an end after a month, but they didn't. Because there's so many trillions of dollars sloshing around. In the end, there's about $10 trillion that Congress spent on this nonsense. Then the Fed created at least $6.3 trillion just to, just to make it all pretty and pay off all their friends. So as a result, the lockdowns lasted another year and some places two years. And now we're left with this uh, enormous disaster um, and 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 an administration in Washington that has a zero clue about anything it's doing. Uh, yesterday, uh, Biden said the way to deal with inflation is to buy a different brand of Raven Bran. I don't know if you caught that one, but uh, he really did say that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to believe the things that uh, that come out of uh, this administration. We were talking earlier in the program about. Uh, earlier this week, Janet Yellen, you know, kind of beating the table as the uh, one of the spokespeople out there saying that inflation is their uh, their, you, you know, the, the, the thing at the top of their agenda is bringing down inflation. And yet they want to continue spending uh, money and creating more inflation. So it's extremely uh, frustrating, I think, for anybody that's that's even halfway paying attention to what's going on now we're talking with my guest this morning mr jeffrey tucker founder and president of the brownstone institute he's an economist he's an author he's written 10 books and writes daily uh at the epoch times um a column on economics there so how do you think uh how fr- i mean i don't know if you have this information or not it seemed like you had a lot of insight in the article um how did they persuade president trump to allow this to happen uh-huh. So they really did miss. They surrounded him by uh, so-called experts, and and they discouraged him from asking anybody outside that small circle of expertise by saying it was a matter of national security. So he was reduced to only having a couple of advisors, uh, Fauci and Deborah Birx, uh, both of whom are uh, uh, well. Fauci is just evil. She's just ignorant. And and then they the, once they got the son-in-law involved, that was Jared, Jared Kushner. Um, Trump was just surrounded on all sides. He didn't have anybody around him to to make uh, basic uh, scientific sense uh, or constitutional sense. So they forced. I would say, I mean, he could have said no, I suppose, but also it was really a difficult time for him because. His most trusted advisors and everybody around him, including Mike Pence, were all saying, Mr. President, you have to shut down this economy or else millions are, de- are going to die because of you. OK, so uh, he re- was very reluctant, but he agreed to two weeks and then he agreed to a 30 day extension after that. And then he, I think at some point he realized what he had done and really began to resent uh, people around him. But at that point, the damage was already done. So there was nothing he could do to undo the damage that uh, that his administration had already caused. 
Uh, it's a very, I would say, tragic story because uh, it, it destroyed uh, his legacy in, in many ways. Yeah, I, I agree uh, on that. He had accomplished so much with uh, the jobs um, market being at 50-year uh, lows as far as the unemployment rate. That was a great achievement. And then, of course, the uh, the growth of the economy. And it was organic growth. It wasn't from overspending. So it was wonderful to see that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll um, wrap up our conversation with my guest this morning, Mr. Jeffrey Tucker, tell you how to get to uh, the website and uh, get a lot of really good information and talk more about his article, The Economic Disaster of the pandemic response. I know where I come from. How about you? Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to... um, Apple Podcasts, and you can uh, grab the program there. And uh, we're finishing up our conversation this morning with my guest, Mr. Jeffrey Tucker. He's founder and president of the Brownstone Institute. He's an economist. He's an author. He's written 10 books. Uh, He writes a daily column on economics at the uh, Epoch Times and uh, and has been kind enough to join us today to talk about one of uh, his writings, The Economic Disaster of the pandemic response. So, um, Mr. Tucker, you know, with you being an economist, um, how do you feel about the current state of our economy and also uh, how long it's going to take us to claw out of this? i got to give it five years uh, before we get out of this, actually. And that's under the best conditions. That's under uh, dramatic tax cuts, deregulation, uh, Congress, um, uh, cutting back uh, the spending, uh, the new political leaders cutting back the teeth of the administrative state. Everything has got to go well, but even there, I think we're going to be in for five long years of, of stagnation at best, maybe uh, depression at worst. The, things are much worse than what they what they seem, and they're getting worse all the time. The credit card debt is rising, savings is plummeted to uh, post-war uh, lows. Uh, real income has been declining now for 18 straight months. Uh, uh, large businesses are now facing a huge profitability squeeze. Uh, small businesses vexed at every turn by bureaucracy. So we've got uh, enormous problems. We've got to be patient, but I think uh, we can get through this. It's just going to take some. Uh, it's going to take some time and some bold political leadership. Yeah, great. I'm glad you used that word leadership because that's what's been uh, lacking for the last uh, couple years. And, you know, we've got uh, what looks like it's going to be a, a, a somewhat of a sea change um, with Congress in less than a week at those elections. Um, and do you feel optimistic about what a lot of these candidates are saying um, as far as how they want to fix things and how they want to uh, position the country going forward. Um, I, I think we. I think we've started. I, my my worry is that we're going to get a, cro- a new crop of, of politicians in there who are very naive about what they're going to face. Uh, they will be surrounded just like Trump was on all sides by deep state actors, um, and are going to try to keep them extremely busy and get them to not do the country's work and rather uh, deal with all the paperwork and. 
it's a problem. So they're easily corruptible and easily defanged. So we really do need this new generation of leaders. And I don't mean just at the uh, federal level, but at state and, and local level counties to really get serious about the Constitution and about uh, the idea of freedom in general and reject the whole paradigm that's governed us for the better part of three years. And, and that's going to that's going to take some some doing. But this country is in crisis uh, at all levels. I don't mean just the economic crisis. And we're facing a huge uh, crisis of, of dr- drug addiction and deep ignorance among the young. Uh, two years of educational loss, massive addiction to uh, to weed and fentanyl and, and liquor. And it, it's just the demoralization we've got you know falling uh um lifespans you know it's it's we've lost two years of life expectancy uh just in the last three years so we've got a massive crisis and my, my suggestion is that the answer the real answer to all of our problems is to re-embrace the idea of of freedom uh, classically understood and if we can do that We'll have uh, real hope, but but the rebuilding is going to take uh, the better part of a generation. Um, I always like to say, you know, every parent and and actually every person in any kind of position of influence can make a difference uh, in the rebuilding process uh, by by inspiring others to uh, read books, to get serious about their education, to get serious about their work life, to uh, get healthy again, all those things. And it happens just one person at a time. But if we do that, then we have, you know, good men and women in political leadership who are dedicated to foundational principles of a civilized life, we can we can work our way out of this. Um, in some ways, I think it's maybe in a sense a silver lining to the disaster that we've been through is now we know things we didn't know before. We know how egregious the mainstream media is. We know how terrible public health officials are in this country. We understand the malevolence of the bureaucratic state and what they're capable of, locking us into our homes and restricting our travel, shutting our churches and schools and gyms and small businesses. We know now that they can do this. So the answer is we we must take away all of their power to make sure that nothing like this ever happens again. That's the most urgent need of our time. Uh, we cannot live this way, and we cannot tolerate this. So I'm, in a sense, glad that we know this now, whereas maybe we didn't know it five years ago, but we know it now. The question is, what are we going to do with that information? And my suggestion is that we get serious about the idea of human freedom again and make fundamental institutional changes in this country. Yeah, well put. And I know that's a a big part of the reason that you founded, as you said at the beginning of our conversation, Brownstone Institute. And folks, you can go to brownstone.org and um, learn more about the things we talked about today with my guest, Mr. Jeffrey Tucker. He uh, founded the uh, organization and is the president there. And there's a lot of really good information if you go to brownstone.org and uh, and learn about, like I said, the things we talked about more. Mr. Tucker, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to uh, to be with us. Really enjoy talking to you. 
Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you so much for taking your time to talk to me. And let's be in touch. Yes, sir. We will. Thank you. And uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, folks. Uh, but, yeah, go to brownstone.org. Um, very, very well designed and developed the website is and it's got a ton of stuff about events and about the organization and articles and books and if you want to help with this important mission that we've been talking about this morning of making you know um, our country what it really once was and can be again you can donate if you want you can shop so check that all out and uh, we will uh, talk with you on the morning news express I'll be with uh, Bob and Ryan weekday mornings. Uh, those are live conversations we have at uh, 5.50, 6.50, 7.50 each morning. And then uh, back here next Saturday with another program for you. And uh, this is really good stuff. I mean, I'm serious. You should uh, – we're fortunate and blessed to have a lot of good people uh, join us on the program that want to come on and tell their story. And, um, and, and, and this is uh, – this website has a lot of really good stuff. Just the one article that I, I mentioned today that we talked about, um, it's only like five pages long, but it, it summarizes what the heck happened with the virus. You know, what happened once it made its way here and so much damage. And I'll have to agree with Mr. Tucker. The silver lining was, I think, mainly what we learned from the schools, what our children were being um, indoctrinated with. And now we're seeing that start to be, uh, I think, on the way to being remedied. It's going to take a long time, but you're seeing these school boards change. Um, you're seeing people, you know, more active. Parents are more engaged. And I think that's, uh, well, of course, it all starts in the home. And um, and uh, I think some good things are going to happen. So anyway, um, we'll be back here next uh, week, as I mentioned, with another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. And the Coosa is mine now Alabama's where I was born and raised And I think I'll stay a while We sing about sweet home And Dixieland delight We tell stories about what goes on In Montgomery at midnight Cause music rolling Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. A service of Holtzapel Heating and Air Conditioning. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock.